0: This is Radio Free Signs of the Times,
1: bringing the news to an occupied America. This planet is controlled and locked down, and has been for centuries, if not millennia. And the question is, why? Why must Planet Earth be locked down, dumbed down, so thoroughly controlled, and for so long? Why? Who and what is behind this? This is just one of the questions asked by Dr. Richard Souter, knight Idiacic's guest on this week's Signs of the Times podcast. Richard is the author of several books that minutely detail US government research and development of electronic equipment which can be used for mind control and the disconcerting topic of underground and underwater bases and tunnels. The day before 9-11, the Pentagon admitted that it could not account for $2.3 trillion. To this day, No one knows where that money is. Rex 84 is short for Readiness Exercise 1984. First revealed during the Iran contra-hearings in 1987, Rex 84 is a US government plan through which an undisclosed number of concentration camps were set in operation throughout the United States. The purpose for these camps? Internment of dissidents and others potentially harmful to the state. The Miami Herald reported on July 5th, 1987, that City 84 was like a government within a government and that these camps are to be operated by FEMA should martial law need to be implemented in the United States and all it would take is a, is a presidential signature on a proclamation and the Attorney General's signature on a warrant to which a list of names is attached. There are 300 million American citizens. In the event of widespread civil unrest, FEMA's 800 prison camps at 20,000 per camp could hold a maximum of 16 million disgruntled American citizens. But surely widespread civil unrest in America would involve more than 16 million, or 5% of the population. What about the rest? What has the Pentagon and dozens of defence contractors been doing with that 2.3 trillion lost dollars? Listen to this week's Science of the Times podcast to find out. Um, the
0: first thing I want to talk about here is this. Uh, you've got this new edition of underwater and underground bases, which I guess is a new edition of the original underground bases and tunnels. Is that correct?
2: Yes.
0: Well, it's not really
2: a new edition. It's an entirely separate book that stands on its own. Ah. there is some overlap of material, but it would be on the order of you know one or two percent it's it's virtually a, um, a, a a new book hence the uh the different title similar but different the theme ma- uh, the you know the subject matter is similar but no the content is not identical now, those who liked the first book will like this uh third book which is actually my third book right um although it's you could say, in one sense, it's a sequel to underground bases and tunnels.
0: Right. Well, the one thing that I'm sure that uh, you know the average person would want to know is what got you interested in the subject oh, of well, underground bases. Well, you know, that's been bases. a
2: lifelong interest. When I was a kid uh, in elementary school, I think it was about in the first or second grade, uh, I won a spelling bee, and uh, I went to a little two-room country schoolhouse that I walked to, a mile each way, and my brothers and I, and um, it was out in the farms and the fields there in, in rural, rural southeast Virginia, and I won a spelling bee, and as a prize I won a book about caves, spelunking and caves, which fascinated me to no end. And uh, then uh, I guess maybe that was an initial um, uh, goad to my uh, interest in this topic. But then I, um, later on, gave it no thought uh, and actually did not concern myself with things that were going on underground, uh, just was not on my mental horizon, until uh, for some reason when I moved out to the southwest uh, in the um, uh, late 1980s to do my doctoral program in political science, I, I heard people talking about a purported underground, um, a purported secret underground network of tunnels through which there were allegedly little gray aliens and clandestine or covert elements of the United States military and military industrial complex operating these um, uh,
0: sci-fi like tube shuttle trains did you think these Uh, kinds of things were crazy? pardon me? did you think those kinds of ideas were crazy? no
2: you know what I thought was that they were very um, interesting stories now I have to interject that as a an adolescent, I, I wrote, read tons of science fiction. I mean, it wouldn't be fair to say I read it. It, it would be more accurate to say that I inhaled entire <laughs> stacks of science fiction novels. And, so I mean, I, I, w- I couldn't even tell you how much just oodles of it, thousands and thousands, of scared the pages of science fiction. So, of course, in the course, uh, in, in the process of reading all of that, um, Science fiction, I got exposed to all kinds of um, interesting thoughts and concepts uh, to which I was drawn like a a moth to a light. And so when I heard these stories when I moved out to the Southwest, I thought, um, you know, that they have a certain currency there in in the culture. And. and a fair number of people will discuss these things, and so I started thinking why are people talking about this, and I didn't dismiss it out of hand. I did think it was unusual. I also knew that I didn't know if the stories were true or false, but I kind of mentally filed them. They interested me, but I didn't know what I could do about it. So if you've ever been in an intensive uh, academic program in graduate school, you know that it. Uh, Demands all of your time and energy. It's virtually all-consuming. So I really didn't have time to look into this. However, after I finished my comprehensive exams and moved on to and, and, and got my thesis proposal accepted by my committee, I uh, I, I had a little more time and, and control over my schedule. So I looked into this and and I wrote a short article for UFO magazine in out in Los Angeles, edited and published by. Uh, 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 Vicky Cooper and Don Ecker. Oh, yeah. And um, it appeared in uh, early November of 1992. And in the article, I I basically said that, um, I, well, I could neither prove nor disprove these stories of um, the uh, so-called jointly administered or operated or run uh, highly secretive high-tech facilities underground. Uh, you know, operated by uh, clandestine elements of the United American military-industrial uh, complex, and alleged little gray aliens <laughs> that um, that I and I couldn't I couldn't prove it or disprove it. Right. I, I wouldn't dismiss the stories out of hand. Uh, on the other hand, I wouldn't just gullibly um, uh, accept them on someone's say so. And I, I did say that, nonetheless, doing a um, a search of the open literature, uh, I could say that there were a lot of uh, underground uh, facilities, bases, and installations operated by a variety of, of uh, government um, agencies such as FEMA and quasi-government agencies like the Federal Reserve, uh, the Department of Energy, the Department of Defense, and so forth. And there are a good number of those sprinkled around North America.
0: But these, these, are, what these are, uh, are ones that are admitted to or acknowledged? These are. Okay. And, and
2: anyone can find them if they're willing to do a little digging, if you're the pun, as I did. It didn't take me too long. Uh, at the first cut, you're going to find those. Sites like Site R up on the border of uh, Maryland and Pennsylvania, uh-huh. is something like an alternate underground Pentagon command center. It's been there for decades. Or the... Uh, fairly well-known underground Monsanto base at Kirtland Air Force Base in in Albuquerque or the NORAD underground base out under Cheyenne Mountain in the Rockies of Colorado or the multiple underground FEMA bases like the one uh, north of Denton in Texas, the one down in um, South Georgia, the one at Bothell, Washington, the one just north of Washington, D.C., off of Riggs Road in suburban Maryland. Uh, And there are a number of these around the country, run by FEMA, Uh, and you can, and and in the DOE underground stuff out in Nevada, and various other places, and you can find those mentioned in a variety of articles, books, and government documents, and you don't have to look that hard to find them. Right. Even doing a keyword search online will, will turn up a fair amount of this stuff. Now, so I found these things, and. I wrote a brief article and talked about it and said, you know, well, I can't say anything about this clandestine stuff and or aliens, purported aliens underground, I can say indeed there are a good number of high-security underground facilities, bases, and installations run by the Federal Alphabet Soup. And so I left it at that. And now I know so much more than I do then, But although that wasn't a bad first cut at it. The article was pretty well received and that's, uh, you know, uh, like almost 15 years ago now, 14 and a half years ago. Well, the article appeared in early November and at that point I felt like, well, you know, I've been there and I've done that. Case closed, slam, dunk. Right. And uh, meanwhile... (laughs) Famous
0: last uh, words. Pardon me? Famous last words. Exactly. So I was, uh,
2: you know, snug a bed the last week of... December, um, and if you've ever been uh, at the university, any large university in America, the last week of December is the deadest month out of the year. Everything shuts down, even the libraries.
0: Right.
2: So um, even even those who are the kind who have to pry out of the library at one o'clock in the morning, as I was, um, have to go home and rest.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So there I was. Uh, fast asleep in the wee hours of the morning it was I don't remember the precise day but it was the week between Christmas and New Year's in 1992 and all of a sudden I was wakened out of a deep sleep and I didn't know why suddenly I was laying uh, flat on my back in the dark uh, mentally alert but still very um, physically relaxed it happened just within you know two or three seconds bang I was awake so I was lying there thinking well isn't this puzzling? What's going on? And I didn't have to wander along because right out of thin air, I heard a, uh, an, um, a voice speaking in my ear. And it was a man's voice. Um, this was a disembodied voice. I didn't see anyone. Indeed, I didn't have the sense that anyone was physically present in the room. I didn't feel alarmed. I didn't feel scared. I've had a... I would say, a large number of anomalous and paranormal experiences over the years, ever since very early childhood, continuing right down uh, to the present day. And so um, for me to have an anomalous, paranormal-type experience uh, didn't frighten me. It's happened so often that for me um, it wasn't that unusual. But what he said was, uh, I heard the voice of a male... um, an adult male speaking normally accented, uh, late 20th century North American English. In other words, it could have been the voice of any one of many millions of men. Um, it sounded to me as if he were a literate person who had had a, a university education. But again, right there you're talking about tens of millions of people. And uh, But what he said was most interesting. He started out like this. In a very matter-of-fact, calm way, he said, the underground bases are real. and then he Whoa. <laughs> he paused a half a second for um a little bit of dramatic effect. And then he went on to tell me uh, for two or three minutes in broad terms that indeed there are a lot of underground facilities and bases and, and that there are uh, secret projects and programs being carried out down there, uh, that the scope of all of this is, is very large, that... Um, a lot of money and technology and people are involved, uh, and that um, as he spoke, I got the very real impression of um, uh, government agencies involved, uh, companies and corporations, and of great stealth and secrecy and high tech and and much um, much ado about about a great deal, as a matter of fact. Hmm. And that and, and and it also impressed upon me um, that this is something that in general people didn't know about it most people are just oblivious to it and in fact until that year i had been and so he went on that way in in a fairly general way but as he spoke i got the idea and i was thinking man this is big there's really a lot involved in this money technology people secrecy uh you know there's there's a lot going on down there it's it's Really? The scope of this is grand.
0: Let me ask you, did you get the impression that this was truly a paranormal? Uh,
2: no, I felt that it was electronic telepathy.
0: Okay, moment, so you think that I it mean, was in, like in being beamed? As he
2: was speaking, that's what I felt, and I uh-huh. still do. In fact, and I explore this a little bit in Kundalini Tales, mm-hmm. and I and I discussed this episode a little bit at the beginning of Underground, uh, underwater and underground bases and what what um i felt was that it was not a if you want to call it, natural naturally telepathic communication as you might receive from a yogi or from a natural born telepath or something like that i felt that it was it was electronic or technologically enhanced if you will and so my feeling is and i i went out and did a patent search as a matter of fact or actually um I it uh I was alerted to this by a um um uh Austrian researcher, um Lammers, uh, Helmut Uh Helmet Helmet and Marion Lammers, are the, are the very good Austrian uh researchers who no no longer do this type of research that was gotten out of it. Um but Helmet had, had run across uh this patent in some of his research and then I subsequently did more searching and, and found a whole slew, and there are even more now of patents uh, uh, pertaining to the electronic control of hum- the human mind and, and human awareness and consciousness. And mm-hmm. So This is really old technology. This right. is mid 20th century technology. Oh, yeah. Even before.
0: yeah uh, Richard Dolan t- uh, writes about it in his uh, UFOs in the National Security State, also. Yeah,
2: well. Um, I don't know where Richard uh, heard about this, but Richard and I have certainly talked many times in recent years, um, in person, and also on the phone, exchanged mm-hmm. many emails. Um, Richard and I have talked about all kinds of topics, including these sorts of topics. Um, and <clears throat> I mean,
0: so that that not that t-
2: the hell, it's not only the Lammers and Richard Dolan and me. A lot of people now are aware of this. I'm glad that these. Uh, this body of knowledge is slowly gaining traction and currency but it's reality the the technology for the electronic manipulation uh, of human uh, consciousness uh, and the human mind is well advanced and insidious exactly Uh, but anyway I know from the very beginning even even as this guy was talking I was thinking uh, bingo I mean within the first two or three seconds that that was the case and I also had the very real impression uh, that I wasn't hearing from a demon or an angel right. or from an extraterrestrial or from God or, or you follow me I, mm-hmm. I, or that I was mad or losing my mind deranged. Right. you knew what you I were dealing felt, with I felt then, and I still do that I was hearing f- from the proverbial insider it was a leak, an inside leak using some inside technology and this man for whatever reason uh, probably had read uh, the article that had come out just several weeks before in the ah. magazine and had decided to to give a data dump if you will to richard Souter in the wee hours of the morning Now,
0: very interesting
2: now of course you know um, anyone with access to modern database technology um, unless you're an absolute hermit in, in the middle of the wild can find you if you pay a water bill or a phone bill or an electric bill or if you get financial aid from a federal agency or whatever, you will—they all know your phone phone number and your physical address, and it can be found in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So once they know where you live, it would be a pretty fair assumption uh, that you will be sleeping there. And right. So I think it'd be a child's play for someone with access to target your your house with a transmitter from an orbiting satellite, for example, in the middle of the night, and say. If you had the clout and you were high enough in the military-industrial military complex, you could probably get a couple of minutes of satellite time.
0: Yeah, no
2: doubt. If you were in the NSA or the NRO, or you know the um, the DIA or Army Intelligence or Naval, you know uh, <clears> ONI <throat> o- o- or something like that, I think I think you could you could get it um, for a couple of minutes, and I think it
0: happened. <laughs> That sounds uh, like a very reasonable explanation for now, it. The question
2: is why, and I think pro- presumably uh,
0: the intent was
2: on the part of this person, who probably is not alone, to further spark my interest and, as a matter and ratify what I had started to do, and say, and by the way, Richard, my name was never mentioned, uh-huh. but but uh, it didn't need to be. Uh, but, in a manner of speaking, to say, by the way, Richard, you're onto something, and listen here, there's a great deal more more uh, down that uh, direction that you start to head. So why don't you dig a little deeper and see what else you can find? And I think that was a plain implication of it. And, 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 it, and it implies that there are people, so-called insiders, who are troubled or at least... Who
0: would like to come out.
2: ...about some of what they have seen. But if you have security clearances out the wazoo, you just can't go on on Coast to Coast AM or right. you know Laura Knight uh internet podcast and, and spill your guts, right? Um, because the penalties for violating those security clearances are very severe, and the average person doesn't want to spend the rest of their life in Leavenworth or be uh, you know assassinated or have their pension taken away taken away from them in their old age.
0: Or nowadays, one of those Guantanamo penalties. Nowadays, they'd put you in Guantanamo.
2: Yeah, or something like that, or just disappear you, uh, you know, Central American dictatorship style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would be a rare person who would who would go public. And so I did dig into it more deeply, and I found that uh, there was a paper trail. And I think the the long and the short of it is that so much has happened underground, and, and from what I can see, almost certainly undersea as well. hmm that when you have large corporations and government agencies throwing around large amounts of personnel, money, and technology over a period of, of decades, um, it generates so much paper, you simply cannot hide it all. You can't shred it all. Uh, you can't classify it all because it's just such a large volume of it, at least some of it is going to filter through the, cro- through the cracks and end up in archives, or in government um, document repositories uh, and so forth and at least some of it will filter out into the popular culture in magazine articles and in books and in in, in conversations and people who have been involved in the construction activity or the planning simply because of so many thousands of them, not all of it can possibly be controlled. A lot of it can, most of it can, almost all of it can, but not all of it. And so what I've picked up are the crumbs, and quite a few crumbs, and the crumbs in and of themselves uh, tell the tale. And the short end, the short tale, is that there appears to be a lot going on in the ground, and it appears very likely there is a lot going on under sea as well. And we're talking James Bond style. Undersea and underground installations.
0: Well, let let me let me interject right here because I'm sure that the uh, the listener would uh, be interested to know that the evidence that you present in these books is uh, literally government documents, uh, patent applications or approvals, uh, actual literal paper trail of these types of things that you have gotten much of it by the Freedom of Information. uh,
2: Really set a lot of my work apart, and it's why my books went to. Multiple printings and were um uh you know actually considered underground best
0: This is not uh, speculation
2: no, it's not speculation, yeah, and uh, my books are out of print at the moment um but um I probably will reissue them. Uh, in the next uh, year or two.
0: Well, let's hope so, because right at this particular point in time, it's looking like uh, we might be seeing one of the reasons behind the construction of these massive underground complexes now, and which leads to the question: uh, What have you come across that indicates the reason, the perceived necessity for underground? Know
2: well, you uh, both from conversations and uh, from my research. Um, <clears throat> and uh from, from 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 reasons that are explicitly uh, discussed in, in in the documents themselves, from conversation with insiders and uh drawing conclusions of my own. Uh some of the some of the reasons of course uh are preparation for possible uh nuclear war, which has been with us my entire life and mm-hmm. still is. All right. Uh the possibility of nuclear war. Uh, and so in that case, uh, the military-industrial espionage complex went to Burrow Underground for command, control, and communication purposes. Uh, and so there there was a lot of that that happened and still does. Uh, preparation for natural catastrophes, things like um, uh, apocalyptic s- scenarios such as uh, massive uh, geological upheaval, uh, due to uh, shifting potential shifting of the earth 's axis and, and geologists know very well that this has happened more than once in, in the past, and uh, so they, they don 't know exactly why it happens at least if they do they 're not saying so publicly. they only know that it has happened uh, the alignment of the continents is, has not always has been has not always been as it is now, and that if there should be geological upheaval. Um, it's actually the case that uh, one of the safest places to be would be in a well-designed underground installation in a competent body of rock.
0: Hmm. It would
2: be safer than being on the surface. Hmm. Um, also, uh, <clears throat> I've, I, the possibility of the Earth entering a different uh region of the galaxy, say the solar system coming into a different region of the galaxy, uh, we're always moving along at a very high rate of speed as the galaxy rotates, mm-hmm. and the Earth and the cluster of stars that Earth is part of, and we're actually part of the Pleiadian cluster of stars, um, you know, themselves move within the galaxy, and so as the galaxy rotates and the Earth um, moves into a different um, sector of space. They could run into um, forms of rogue planetoids, uh, for example, or comets, um, uh, meteorites, that type of thing, right. that could uh, impact the Earth and cause problems. There could be uh, massive climate change, and again, it appears something that the climate has been destabilized now and it's something is going on um, with the sun and with the solar system and with its planet.
0: And they're aware of these things? I think so.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you could also have uh, disruptions in the uh, the physics of the Earth's rotation um, for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, some understood, some not understood. Um, these are some of the things that have been mentioned to me. And In that case, uh, for survivability reasons, uh, you would want to have secure underground facilities that you could repair to somewhat in Noah's Ark fashion.
0: But they're not telling the public, certainly. No, about. not really, but it's a case of
2: uh, you know as Jesus said, said "Let those of eyes to see see, and those of ears to hear hear." Right. They're not telling the public exactly, but indirectly, they are, in a way, through me, in that I have been permitted to publish books on these titles and magazine articles. And go on the internet and be interviewed by you for podcasts, and also do numerous uh, network radio shows over the last, you know, twelve, thirteen years, right. and um, and even do some uh, TV interviews. Uh, and I haven't suffered. I mean, I haven't been sent to Guantanamo or so so forth. That indicates that, to an extent, there is a faction um, who does want some of this information to come out. Uh, and they themselves, I think, feel that their hands are tied. I think by the time, say, you go away to a major university and, say, you get a Ph.D. in geology or physics or electrical engineering or whatever, uh, one of the scientific or technical disciplines, and um, you go to work at the highest levels of the military-industrial espionage complex, and you get sucked into the compartmentalized black world of clandestine operations, and then you you, um, go away and you start working in underground installations, and you see all kinds of things that Ray Bradbury couldn't imagine in his wildest dreams, (laughs) and you say, holy moly, um, what's going on here? Um, This doesn't comport with what I was taught. You see things that are happening that are illegal, unconstitutional, unethical, and massively so. And you thought of yourself as a button down, um, cool by the numbers, uh, regular person, law abiding type of person. All of a sudden, what do you do? Yeah. You want to talk, but if you do, you're on your way to Leavenworth or Guantanamo, or maybe you won't live to see another day. Right, maybe you would be kept in that underground installation and never surface again um, so what do you do? Mhm, maybe you leak a little bit, and um I think that's what's going on to tell the truth
0: so what is what is the most shocking thing that you have discovered in this research?
2: Well, from the beginning, I had strong suspicions about under under sea bases from what I was told in nineteen ninety two in the middle of the night, it raised questions. Along those lines, but I couldn't find any documentation. And but now I have, and the documentation shows unambiguously. Uh, and this is on the this is the, this is in the open literature, uh, coming right out of China Lake Naval Weapons Station. It's it's perhaps the most interesting document I have along those lines, but certainly not the only uh, piece of evidence that I've found that strongly suggests um, that there are large. Uh, deeply buried um, manned, and I would also presume womaned,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, clandestine installations down in the rock beneath the seafloor, well out to sea, and probably hundreds of miles, maybe even thousands of miles of tunnels down in the rock beneath the seafloor, connecting these installations and running to and from them uh, from on land as well. Um, I think that's the most probably the, so far the most interesting thing I've found, but I've gotten documentary evidence and also anecdotal evidence from multiple people now, and I'm not just talking two or three, uh, but more than that, indicating strongly that these facilities exist. And um, I've talked to a number of people involved in the planning back in the mid-1960s uh, for these mid ocean deeply buried down in the rock beneath the seafloor. I'm talking you may have thousands of feet of seawater and then go down in the rock another thousand, two thousand feet.
0: Well let me ask you, uh, back oh I think it was probably maybe ten years or so. Yes. Uh there were a number of newspaper reports uh up in the northwest area of the U.S., like uh... Seattle, you know, Washington. Um, yes. Of uh, you know, strange thumping sounds that were like coming from, you know, out at sea.
2: Well, you know, there's there's there different things to understand about that region. One, that region is a seismically active region. Number two, the Juan de Fuca uh, plate is is right there, um, and. and with its associated fault, and it uh, directly abuts the uh, North American plate right off the North American coast. And so there's a lot of um, seismic thumping related to that, Uh. a lot of earthquakes both in uh, northern uh, Oregon and all over um, Washington State, and Mm -hmm. especially in the Puget Sound, Seattle area, Tacoma area, and also offshore. In that region, so I wouldn't rule out that some of that could be seismically driven. On the other hand, um,
0: it was so rhythmic, and this is, this well, is what the, the reports hand, were um, about. I don't
2: rule out under underground technology either.
0: Would uh, these would these boring machines that you describe in your book would they produce sounds like no, I that?
2: I think they would make thumping sounds. Okay. No, they would have more of a rhythmic grinding sound. Uh huh.
0: Um, <clears throat> How do they and, operate? Um, Huh? How do they operate
2: well i've seen I've seen documentation for a number of different kinds. I don't know what type of tunnel boring machines are preferred in in the black world in the world of clandestine operations of secret compartmentalized projects. I don't know what kind of technology they have i I assume it is a better, more sophisticated technology than what you find in the open uh, civil engineering world, right? but already in the open civil engineering world, the technology is not shabby, Laura. Mm. Um, Those machines are electrically powered, most of them. They're huge. Uh, They can be, I've seen in the open literature, um, they can be up to 45, 46 feet in diameter or more in some cases and make gargantuan tunnels.
0: Bigger than a train. Oh, far bigger than a train. Bigger than a house in a three-story house and they just they're just like giant creatures that like burrow giant giant you know uh
2: earthworms with thousands of horsepower that uh munch grind their way through the bedrock hundreds even thousands of feet underground making these smooth board tunnels cylindrical tunnels and they can go for miles i mean one of the best known uh and uh most advanced in Uh, tunnel boring companies in the world is the Robbins Company and they're in Yelm, Washington uh, south of Seattle and um, they've been at it for decades I mean on the open literature I can document many hundreds of miles of tunnels that they have bored uh, for a wide variety of agencies including many government agencies so that's on the public record for open engineering um, projects and I, I don't have any doubt whatsoever, that they can do in the black world just as well and pro- probably better, um, what they do in, in the open world. Uh, and um, the Robbins Company is clearly one of those who would be involved since they have had so many contracts with so many government agencies over a period of decades, and they make some of the best uh, tunnel- boring machines and equipment in the world. They've been at it for a long, long time.
0: Have you ever come across any any hints or clues in any of this material that you've obtained that any of this is connected in any way to any kind of extraterrestrial activity?
2: You see, I've asked that question repeatedly, uh, including of insiders, and um, I will say in at least two cases that I remember clearly, uh, and these, these were uh, both people with extensive experience in in underground facilities, Um, we're talking insiders, insiders. Mm -hmm. And um, these two, it was interesting, I asked this question, and they both said, well, you know, that's something that you'll certainly hear discussed in the canteen at Area 51.
0: Huh.
2: And and so, of course, my follow-up question was, well, well... Are there? You know, are beyond right. what you can discuss. <laughs> yeah, yeah please tell us fifty one. Is there a factual basis for this being discussed there? And they're always very evasive. These people are sphinx, Sphinxes. Uh this is one this is a very closely held piece of information. But I think the in my personal opinion, I do think there probably are uh extraterrestrials or off planet beings that are underground and sea on this planet, uh, that it be my educated guess. Can I prove it? No. Right. And I think the mere fact that when I pose the question, I've asked it of more than one person, and I've asked it more than once, and when I think uh, the person I'm speaking with may have some knowledge along those lines, I always make sure to ask it. But I think it's interesting that at least on those two occasions, Dealing with people who absolutely would be in a position to know if it were true uh that I didn't get a no see they didn't say no that's the right, point. and what they did say was well, it's certainly something you'll hear discussed in the canteen at area fifty one
0: that's a peculiar so, no. way to answer the question,
2: yes, and both of them did answer it that way um. I think it's a way of answering the question without violating a security oath or exactly. security oaths. Exactly. Now, I also have asked uh, more than one person, uh, after they give me that kind of response, well, have you worked with aliens or an alien underground or anywhere else? And in both cases, the answer I got was, not to my knowledge.
0: Ah.
2: See, again, the answer wasn't, no, that's preposterous, you know. You're off in la-la land. That, you know, what do you think, man? And you flipped your lid. The answer was not to my knowledge.
0: That almost suggests that they know or that they think something about these alleged extraterrestrials that makes it so that if you were working with one, you might not know it.
2: No, because evidently uh, at least certain factions of the purported extraterrestrials are human and sufficiently human that they could pass in our present society without attracting undue notice.
0: Exactly.
2: Um, And I, in fact, suspect that that's one of the reasons for the UFO cover-up, which is firmly in place still in the United States, though the lid is loosening in places like Mexico and France and Brazil and China. But in the United States still, it's screwed down tight as tight as they can get it.
0: Well, you know this recent uh, news about the releasing of the UFO records in France. Yes, it's not what people think it is. They think that the government was releasing its uh, its information, and actually, what they released. Were simply the reports made by citizens and witnesses who had made sightings. They didn't I understand really that. anything that, that they is more than has right. ever happened in this country. Well, that's true. That's true. I,
2: I understand it's an incremental step forward, and it is far from opening up their secret archives. I know all of that. But the scene has has its own secrets, and and they, they guard them as carefully as the as the uh, military military industrial espionage complex does in North America. That said, it is still a step further right. than you have seen the um, alphabet soup in America go. So things are not as tight and as controlled in France and China and Mexico and Brazil and some other places that, as they are here. Right. Where, things, where these things are um, more open than they are here. Still, I think that... Um, It is a tacit admission of sorts. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that these types of personnel work in an extremely compartmentalized world um, where there are, it's like a Russian doll. There are layers of secrecy within layers, within layers, Mm
0: -hmm. within
2: layers. Uh, It's not just that there are secret passwords. Um, There are secret vaults and secret facilities Mm -hmm. where you don't get in unless you have your retina scanned and your palm print scanned, and your voice print scanned, and you are, you are weighed, and you have to submit a prosaic, um, you know, magnetically coded identity card. You just don't get in these places.
0: What do you think they're hiding?
2: A lot. I'll tell you some of the things they're hiding, certainly advanced weaponry, uh, far beyond uh, nuclear weapons. I mean, I think there's some truth. To what I know, you and and your husband um, have looked looked askance at some of the pronouncements and writings of Thomas Beard. Nonetheless, um, I do think there's some truth in what Thomas mm-hmm. Bearden has, says, has said. And others.
0: Oh, we uh, think there's true. some truth in it. We just think that if you know if there was the truth in it that there ought to be in it, he wouldn't be saying it publicly. Well, if I you catch know. my drift, I
2: don't know. See, I don't know what kind of connections Thomas Bearden has, and it may be that what they have is so much beyond what he says that they don't care, or that the fact that they have it, their attitude may may be on the lines of, yeah, 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 nya what you going to do about it? Well, that's true. The other thing is, what Thomas Bearden is saying, and others like him, he's far from alone. uh Thomas Bearden and others saying similar things. Um, the average person, we're we're talking... Ninety-nine percent of the population are clueless. They right. don't know about Thomas Bearden. They can't even fathom, you know, one percent of what he's talking about, even if they run across it on the internet. So it does. What does it matter from a practical standpoint?
0: True. I, I think that a lot of uh, a lot of covering up is done that way. It's not that it's so much covered up as nobody cares. Or, or in
2: any event, I'm I'm inclined to attach some credence to what Thomas Bearden and others. Are saying along those lines? I mm-hmm. think there are, there is at least another generation of weapons, even more frightful than nuclear weapons, which which already scare the shit out of me.
0: Would you think that something like that could have been used, say, for example, on the World Trade Center to cause it to collapse I the
2: do. way it did? I do. I, uh-huh. I think that we have um, that the events that. Uh, at the World Trade, Trade Center were highly unusual. Yeah. And, and for sure the military industrial industrial espionage complex were involved in the events of that day up to their eyeballs. Right. And um, so you're dealing, at the least, you're dealing with elements of FEMA because FEMA evidently had advance notice that something heavy was going down in Manhattan that uh-huh. day. Uh, at FEMA you have NORAD, you have the FAA, uh, you have the highest levels of the DOD, You have the EOP, the Executive Office of the President, meaning Cheney and Bush and and, um, Condoleezza Rice, evidently had some knowledge, uh, the National Security Advisors. So at the highest levels of the uh, American government, the Securities uh, and Exchange Commission certainly had some knowledge of it, if not before the fact, after the fact, because of the massive, massive, peculiar stock transactions that took place related to that event, the uh, the events of that day. Um, So you have multiple uh, federal agencies that clearly have uh, uh, a substantial degree of insider knowledge uh, 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 pertaining to the events of that day and and, 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 and the peculiar uh, actions and activities that came down on September 11th. There is no doubt that it uh, highly secretive and powerful elements of the American government and military industrial espionage complex um, had substantial involvement on 9-11. No question. And I don't think anyone who does any degree of serious research uh, or reading into this topic can come to any other conclusion. And beyond that, was there uh, so-called exotic or unconventional uh, technology uh, used on that day? Yeah, I think there probably was.
0: Have you uh researched any of the uh technology beyond tunnel boring machines such as uh, weaponry?
2: Well, yeah, you know, and this is one of the things I want I talked about in my first book and in my <clears> fourth <throat> book which is is in progress and will be done whenever it's done if you follow me. <laughs> I um I, I I want to go more into that, more in depth into that because yes, what you do find in the mining engineering engineering literature and and, and underground excavation literature is that um, many other techniques have been uh, explored beyond conventional toner-boring tunnel, tunnel machines. Both the Soviets and the Americans and others have looked into using high-pressure water jets for tunneling, and, in fact, this is a technology that's, that's uh, in use in some cases for tunneling and mining and excavating. If you have water under very high pressure... The erosive uh, power is terrific. Yeah. And you can also control it very well. So you can just slice right through rock, solid rock, with with water under very high pressure. Also sonic technologies uh, for tunneling. Um, Various uh, ray gun style technologies are using particle beams, for example, or microwaves. Um, And I discussed this a little bit in my first book. Um, And, of course... There was also uh, the research done at Los Alamos National Labs, where so many puzzling stories come out of yeah in uh, in northern New Mexico uh, about using uh nuclear powered uh, tunnel boring machines, the so called uh, nuclear subterrines, and the associated technology nuclear subsines for tunneling uh under the surface of the moon and and this is something that 's been discuss in the open literature as well, not just making subsurface tunnel uh, tunnels on Earth using nuclear-powered tunnel boring machines that will melt their way through the rock, but also on the moon. And by the way, uh, I would say parenthetically, I do not rule out whatsoever one or more, and hear me well, one or more clandestine manned space programs, and also womaned space programs
0: that are going uh, on that we don't know about for decades for decades for decades
2: that, oh yes and i think that the uh, the moon and the mars if i had to guess i would say the americans and probably the russians and maybe the japanese and chinese and others have been coming and going in great secrecy to and from the moon and the mars perhaps since the 50s and 60s um,
0: how could they do that nobody noticed
2: well, people have noticed. I mean, there are people talking about it and uh I've it's been my surmisal now uh for some time that, that that's the case. Um, I mean, there's a lot of discussion on the part of this uh, on the part of people about this. You have the alternative three scenario which has had currency in the and the alternative history if you will, um alternative reality underground. Both on the internet and other places, um, where the rumor is that for decades uh, that the Russians and the Americans have been secretly coming and going uh, to and from Mars. Um, well, where would they
0: way. where would they launch
2: the rockets from? Well, I would presume they're not using chemical rockets. I think oh. they would probably use unconventional uh, modes of propulsion, like. Um, Know, Anti-gravity? electrogravitic, gravitic stuff or anti-grav um, modes or perhaps just time-folding. Uh, so
0: you think they're already doing this?
2: Time-folding. For example, if you know where Mars is at what time, um, uh, if, if you can, so to speak, dial in a time-space coordinate, uh, then you're there. You don't actually travel in a sense. You... Just relocate, shift, you shift, and I think that um, these types of technologies are probably in use. Uh, it may be that there are natural, if you will, tunnels time space tunnels that have been discovered i don 't rule that out either; I think very little is understood about the earth itself. I think there are great mysteries. On this planet, they're all around us that we see and don't even comprehend. We well, see and yet we do not see them.
0: If if they have all the all of this kind of technology, and all of this super duper firepower, then why are they why are they duking it out in the primitive way they're doing in in Iraq right now? I mean, what's what's the reason for that? I mean, if they could well, so, social control, social control, social control. Yeah, social good answer. the control. It's also it's also very profitable
2: yeah. um, why wage the, these years long uh, wars of attrition uh, with basically twentieth century weaponry when it's, you have twenty-first and twenty-second century weaponry well you make a lot of money that way um, I mean there are trillions of dollars of profits that are being made on and
0: all of that money is coming out of the pocket of the American taxpayer so it's one way to
2: siphon off vast amounts of money and into and impoverish the, the people United complex to do yet whatever mm-hmm. see a reality is so controlled that you have this massive show and tell uh bread and circuses to keep the uh, the the mass mind occupied dumbed down traumatized um malleable and tractable yeah and controllable um so you have a ready supply of slave labor essentially exactly. So why then would you do that? Well, that's your answer, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now, it doesn't at all preclude uh, vast projects being carried out under the radar, secretly compartmentalized, using trillions of dollars of funding that's skimmed out of the economy. And there's open literature um, um, evidence for that. I mean, I found it. Catherine Austin Fitz talks about it uh, forthrightly in her writings, and uh, Richard Dolan and others are out there talking about it. Um, It's no secret we're back around to what Jesus said, or is alleged to have said, a couple thousand years ago let those who have eyes to see see, and those who have ears to hear hear. And, and, And in essence,
0: the stuff is out
2: there. Either you pay attention to it or you don't.
0: And if you don't,
2: you're dead. The fact that it's there to be seen and it's there to be heard, it's there to be understood if you will. Right. Now, the fact of the matter is the vast majority of people neither want to see it, neither want to hear it, nor do they want to understand it. And that is the truth. So it doesn't truth. matter if it's on the record because the people who put it out there understand that the vast majority of people... Even if they see it, we'll say
0: mm, so. What? Well, it seems that basically what you've done is you have uh, uncovered uh, some really nefarious activities on the part of governments and corporations, and have ex-
2: what bothers me about it is all of the great secrecy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bode well, and and we're not talking about small things here. We're talking about trillions of dollars in expenditure. Think of the tremendous negative drag this is on the planet. Yeah. These this trillions of dollars that are being siphoned, to, siphoned off that could be used in positive, creative, uh, uplifting...
0: Life-affirming.
2: Um, life-affirming ways, and they're not. Um, I mean, it, it, and we're all suffering because of it. Of course, there are many hundreds of millions of people in the so-called third world who are taking it on the chin. Yeah, and they're just living uh, from hand to mouth on a day-to-day basis, and and of course it's 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 a it's a it's a grueling, brutal, uh, terrible way to survive. But even in the developed world, you have to understand: there, so-called developed world, there are tens of millions of people in the United States who are living in that way, really under third-world conditions. Yeah. Um. So. It, 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 it's directly contributing to massive suffering, and, and it's and it's a direct cause of the impoverishment of many, many millions of people right around the world, so on that level alone, it is a bad thing. It is a theft from the collective well-being of the human race, and that that is, it's a massive theft. It's mind-boggling in its scope, and yet it's ongoing and has been for decades now, so even on the economic level. It's bad enough. But when you think about the technology that's being held back, which, again, if it were put to other uses rather than these very secret compartmentalized and and um, military uh, uses, um, I have to believe that at least some of it could materially aid suffering on this planet. And Of course. It could be, well, this planet could be a paradise. It could be. It could be a Shangri-La. But as your writings have pointed out, and and I think this is, um, well, we certainly do not agree on everything, and uh, those who do not know us and are not privy to our our communications um, don't know that, indeed, you and I, Laura, do not agree on everything, and we strongly disagree on some things. But I do agree with you on this point, and you're right. There is a certain sociopath or psychopath faction on this planet. And they're everywhere, and unfortunately there are a fair number of them in the United States. And this type of person, and not all males, by the way, there are a fair number of females. I agree. Fall under this profile, too. But this type of person very much is attracted to positions of power and influence, whether it be in high finance, in industry, in espionage, in politics, in religion, in the academic world. And the mass media and news and television and radio and movies, they gravitate towards these hierarchical institutions and bureaucracies and have a way of insinuating themselves into the highest dog-eat-dog levels where they can exert the most most power and influence. And unfortunately, we have a plague of these personalities Mm. and individuals at the moment and they are doing their best to turn this planet into a living hell and to put as much of the rest of the human race under their jackboot as they can and that is the reality in the year 2007 on planet earth and we are struggling with that those of us who don't like it and see what's happening and wish it were
0: otherwise yeah well do you see any solution
2: there's not an easy solution and unfortunately or maybe fortunately uh, um, it is a start to talk about it which you have begun doing and there are others. You're not alone in that. Um, there, there. Are, I think a growing number of people who see this problem, or at least, or at least a substantial parts of it. And so, in that respect, I think we're ahead of where we were, say, 50 years ago. On the other hand, in, in the intervening 50 years, the technology at the disposal of these people is so much more powerful. Uh, at yeah. least of which is digital technology. But then. Weapons, technology, and the technology of social control has advanced quite a bit as well.
0: Awareness takes a step forward, and then they take two steps forward with control.
2: And they're also very well funded. Extremely. They're trillions of dollars. Money is not a problem for them. It's a problem for me. Yeah, it's
0: a problem 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 for for us.
2: We struggle to get money. We work hard. We labor mightily. They have access, as Catherine Austin Fitz said to me in a conversation I had with her, um, I mean, I've talked about this with her and Richard Dolan and and a lot of other people. Um, now you and I are talking about it. But I asked her, you know, what can you do with that amount of money? Because we're talking about trillions of dollars. Yeah. Trillions that are just being siphoned off. And it's really not clear exactly how it's being used. Although, you know, I and Richard Dolan and other researchers have some pretty good ideas as to how big chunks of it are being used. But we don't know how all of it is being used, nowhere near. And but her answer to me was, What can you do with that amount of money? Anything you want to. Exactly. Anything at
0: all. And that's what they're doing. And they're building Anything they want to. They're you, building these underground bases and underground and bases, underwater bases. Yeah. Uh,
2: I strongly believe and, and the there is the evidence is tending that way in my view that there are at least one, if not more, secret Space programs not not only American space programs, and by the way, they don't have to be government run or military run. Uh huh. Say you're Bill Gates, for example, and you have tens of billions of dollars at your disposal. You can run your own compartmentalized operation. Yes, you could. With with you know, with sixty billion dollars, you can buy any technology that's out there. You can buy your own in house engineers, and he does have his own in house engineers and scientists. He has whole, whole buildings full of PhDs in computer engineering, electrical engineering, and so forth. So Hill Gates certainly can go out and buy his own, you know, entire rooms full of, of PhDs with whatever expertise, expertise he feels he needs. He can buy whatever technology he needs. He can virtually develop whatever technology he needs in-house. I'm not saying he personally has done that, but he's not the only ultra-wealthy industrialist out there.
0: Yeah. And what do you see in the immediate future, say, the next one to two years? Chaos. Unfortunately, I agree. I I think we have entered into a
2: a period of what will prove to be frantic, ferment, turmoil, change, um, evolution and devolution. Yeah. Perhaps we ought to spell devolution D-E-V-I-L. <laughs> uh, what well, I, I, You could take it in both senses. Yeah. Uh, D-E-V-O-L as well. Yeah. Um, but I think that uh, there's no question, uh, because the Earth's population continues to grow, it's very large now, in coming years it's just going to get larger and larger, and as that happens there's more pressure um Social pressure right in societies and between societies there is more um political pressure there are more economic pressures in all sorts of ways because there is increased competition not only for for um social resources but for uh, such as labor to give one example uh but there's also more competition for natural resources. We live on a planet with a known diameter, and that's about what? Circumference? It's about what? Uh, 25,000 miles and change? It's not getting any bigger. No. But the human race is getting larger. And so as we grow from 6.5 billion to 7 billion to 8 billion to 9 billion, and that's the direction we have, uh, there's no more fresh water, but there's increased demand for the fresh water that there is. There are no more forests, but there's increased demand for the forests that exist. There is no more agricultural land, but there is increased demand for producing more food from the agricultural acreage that does exist, and so on and so forth. So we're going to see more and more pressure uh, on the ecology, on the environment, on agriculture, on natural resources, uh, on and on across the board.
0: You know, it's really a shame. With Pardon all those, me? it's really a shame that with all those trillions and trillions of dollars that they're spending for, you know, evil technology, they could be spending it to educate people, to uh, reduce the population is not for awareness and education.
2: The agenda is to dumb down the masses, and we see that happening. The warehousing of children and students uh, It's happening not only in the United States, but in every so called advanced society in the world. You have this phenomenon of, well, you're five, six years old, off to school, you go. you go. What's that? You don't want to go? Well, you have to go, you see. And if you won't go, we have these things called juvenile hall. Mm-hmm. And if the parents won't make you go, we have these things and these people called policemen. And they will come and arrest you, you know, Mrs. Mom and Mr. Dad. You will be arrested because your children are truant. So it's not really a choice here it it is totalitarian
0: there is no free will on this planet you will go to school you just will and you will be dumbed down thereby and you will sit there
2: if you have to perform a biological function you will ask permission if you have to you will eat when told you will stop eating when told you will raise your hand if you have anything to say if you don't Raise your hand and you speak out of turn, you will be punished. This is social control. Yeah. And we've all been, did you go to school,
0: Laura?
2: Yep. It, was it more or less as described?
0: Uh, well, I didn't do very well under that circumstance.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I was speaking, and, and then we wonder why we have these uh, school shooters. I don't have to wonder. You, You, you have a certain percentage. Of these young men, and it's mostly young men. I think we've had one, maybe two female school shooters, but 90, 98% plus are male. Right. And it's, it's it's that the males are, when you're a boy, you're full of energy. Yeah. You want to do things. Instead, you, you, you're told, you're going to sit down, you're going to shut up, you're going to do what we tell you to do, when we tell you to do it, and the manner we tell you to do it. You're going to think what we tell you to think. You're not going to look at Mary Sue over there because that's wrong. You know, women are not, you know, for, for your sexual gratification. Even though your bio- biology is screaming to you, yes, they are. They are intensely desirable. And I just <laughs> spoke for every single adolescent male on this planet. Yeah. So what you do is you stuff these guys in these human warehouses and say, shut up, shut up. No one wants to hear what you have to say. So don't even say it. Open that book and read, and you write what we tell you to write, and that's it. Is it any wonder that after years of that, some of these guys go ballistic? No. Especially after you pump them full of these uh, psychiatric drugs. (laughs) Yeah. As as is very common in schools these days. Is it any wonder that at least, you know, a few of them every year just, Explode. And I'm especially explode. if you
0: start out with one who's got, you know, psychological problems to begin with.
2: But to begin with. Yeah. you pump them full of these chemicals, and then you tell them, just shut up. Just sit down and shut up. Yeah. It just doesn't work, Laura. And, no. And, and, and we see it over and over and over again. And so finally, you know, some of these guys just say, no, no, you don't tell me to shut up. And all the rest of you, you know, my classmates who have been making fun of me all these years, well, today is the day that I get back. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more than it does.
0: Yeah, and all of this is being uh, socially controlled and manipulated from course, deep yeah. in these underground bases and facilities and well, hidey holes. the control factor across the board, um, and so so far from alleviating the,
2: program, the problem, um, it's, it's it's making it worse, and and as far as that, what's going on in schools, it's really an indictment of our whole society. And I think some people are waking up. Um, and it just keeps happening again and again and again and again. So you have,
0: well, the answer that they they give us is is that uh, well, it's obviously since it's happening, we need more drugs, we need more control.
2: Which only worsens the problem. Which, from their point of view, meaning the societal controllers, is desirable because the worse the problem gets, the greater the degree of social control that can clamp down. Because people
0: will who ask are for still it, your
2: mind controlled, will be begging uh, for, for release. Yeah, not understanding in their confusion what true release would
0: entail. Um, it,
2: would
0: entail it would entail a, a painful reality. learning learning experience.
2: Yeah, it. But but the, the underground and underwater bases are definitely part of this and there's a psychological component of this. You know, psychiatrists and psychologists and mental health professionals are aware of the um phenomenon of um suppression. Where well, you bury something, you know, mm-hmm. in your emotions or in your mind, instead of dealing with it, you repress it. You suppress it, you you you, you squelch it, you, you just tamp it down. It doesn't go away. It's just buried at a lower level. It's repressed. And I think in a certain sense you could draw an analogy to what's happening with these underground and underwater installations. If there's a certain aspect of our collective psyche that has been repressed and suppressed and buried down there, mm-hmm. out of sight, out of mind. Of course, hasn't really gone anywhere, but there's an aspect of our collective life uh, that we're denying. Uh, that we are repressing, that we are shutting off. It's almost incestuous, like an incestuous family where there are bad things going on, but people don't talk about it because they don't want to go there. Right. And in an analogous fashion, um, all of these trillions of dollars are being siphoned off. We all know, at a general level, something is wrong. People can feel this. Things aren't Right. But you can't really articulate it in many cases, and part of it—a big part of it—is this massive compartmentalized structure, which a substantial percentage of this population are involved in. Yeah. I mean, we're talking many, many thousands, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people that have an involvement in some way with these many interlocking, dovetailed, intric- intricately dovetailed. Uh, compartmentalized, secret, black-budget projects.
0: So they have a vested interest in making sure that it stays uh, undercover. Very much so. And the
2: mind control aspect of this is, is crucial. Now,
0: mind control
2: operates on many levels. You have the electronic mind control technologies, uh, the ones that I discussed, for example, the patents in Kundalini, tales and similar technologies, and then you have Harp and the Glen Towers and the microwave technology and the cell phones, which appear to have a very bad effect on the human mind and the human brain, but it's it's ubiquitous now, this technology is. It's everywhere, and everyone seems to have one, Um, though I refuse on many grounds so far to have a cell phone. um, Almost everyone does these days. And then you have other forms, more prosaic forms, if you will, of, of mind and social control, such as the public school system and the university system. Then you have institutional religion like uh, Christianity, uh, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, and so forth. Uh, then you have other means of, of social and and mind control, such as television, and on and on it goes. We're, 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 you know, there's just, there's just an onslaught of this stuff, and the average person does not understand how thoroughly controlled he or she is, right. and and it happens when you begin to wake up, there's no end to the scales that continue to fall from your eyes. Uh, you, you make it through the first one or two or three layers, only to discover seemingly there's no end to it. This planet is controlled and locked down, up, down, and sideways, and has been for centuries, if not for millennia. And the question is, why? Why must planet Earth be locked down, dumbed down? So thoroughly controlled, and for so long, why who and what is behind this
0: that 's the question we would all like to have answered, and of course, they you know themselves out of the limelight for sure, <clears throat> they have many front men and many
2: front women and and you have to remember, and i didn 't realize this at first, but now i 'm understanding better and better um. Women play a big role in this control game, too.
0: Absolutely. It's oh, not just a male thing. Definitely.
2: And so many women, for example, just using the war uh, problem, and, the, and there's been a, a war ep- epidemic on this planet. Going back as far as we have written records, we see war yeah. over and over. War again and again. Now, so often uh, women have said, well, that's a male thing, you know. Well, maybe in the past it was, but now, you know, there are many women in the American military and in some other militaries, too. I mean, for years, uh, women, I believe, have been in the Israeli military. What about the Amazons? Well, the Amazons and the, the women are in the French military, so...
0: Um, well, I mean, the military, you know, the, the, the legendary women, women, women soldiers, you know, the Amazons.
2: Women are certainly involved in warfare today. Yeah. Women certainly pay taxes to support warfare. Yes. Women certainly send their young soldier boys and now soldier girls off to war and are proud of their son who's in the Army or Air Force or or their daughter who just got her fighter pilot wings for So I'm not accepting this this buzz from feminism so long. Well, we'll war is a male activity. Excuse me. Females have been in war and supportive of warfare as long as there's been warfare. They've been cheering on their men. And, and not infrequently getting involved in the battles directly themselves. Yep. So it's not true, never was true, and it's certainly not true today, that warfare is an exclusive male activity because it simply is not. Women have been implicated in warfare themselves all kinds of ways. And among other things, how many women have liked the plunder and the booty that their folk brought back from war? Unfortunately, all too true. So this is something that the human race is afflicted with, both male and females. We have the war bug bad. And why? You you could almost make the case that some have, that our genetics have been tampered with and that we have been, um, our DNA, if you will, has been short-circuited to make us a rapacious, um, jealous, greedy, aggressive, greedy, war-mongering species, and that certainly seems to be what the majority of human beings
0: are. But then, if you look at what William Bramley uh, discovered in his, his research, he set out to research war and ended up writing the gods of eden his conclusion was that basically most human beings would prefer peace but because of, of uh... you know what amounts to psychopaths although he didn't use that term yes. uh... He, he used the control system that they were constantly being brainwashed into believing that they had to fight a war for this or that cause or the other cause well but
2: then, then that begs the question though if if people really don't prefer war then why again and again do they go off and fight them? So I think you have to say, no, they do. Or else, if if the vast majority of people don't want war, then why aren't the vast majority of people just refusing to get involved? In fact, we see century after century, indeed, down to the millennia, over many thousands of years, people do go off. I mean, by the millions.
0: It almost sounds like human beings are a blight on the... Uh, it almost sounds like human beings are a are a curse on this planet, a blight.
2: Well, it's almost like we're the cockroaches of the galaxy. At least this particular species on this planet. Now, what seems to me is that clearly... I've read Rem, uh, Bramley's book years ago. I don't currently have it in my library. It got, a, got out of my hand somewhere along the line, but I, I have read his book, and... And it's these, and, and indeed, you can make a case uh, similar to his. And, and I'm not dismissing his case. I I think his argument has merit. Um, it, 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 there are many things going on. The situation is complex. Among other other things, looking at the uh, what you see in the Bible, for example, in the Old Testament. Also looking at the Egyptian record and looking at the archaeological record. Here in the americas uh from what we know, and much has been held back by the way, as you know, a great deal has been held back but it's clear to me, looking at the skeletons that have been dug up for god's sake right looking at the looking at the um at the uh uh, uh the, you know the, the friezes and the and and the carvings and the temples in in the middle east and in and in egypt and and other places that in the past indeed there were giants on the earth. And they were big, yeah ten, twelve, some of them twenty or thirty feet tall, huge, huge human beings. Where they came from exactly is not clear to me um, where they are now, and I think probably some of them are still around, but where they are now is not clear either, but it seems to be the fact that um, you know three to ten thousand years ago, there was a dra- uh, a race of super super beings, some of which were 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 Negro, some of which were Caucasian, um, who were here. They were in the Middle East, they were in North Africa, they were in the Americas, and they ranged anywhere from from 8 to 25 feet tall.
0: Do you think they went into underground bases? I don't know.
2: (laughs) I don't know where they went. I don't know where they came from, but clearly they were human beings, but a different subspecies, not like us. They were... They were both larger in stature, and their intellect was clearly greater than that of the every, average human being. They built on a, large, on a large scale. They had high technology. They left megalithic uh, architecture and monuments all over this planet.
0: Yeah, something was going on. Well,
2: and the question is where they came from, and they had definitely lorded it over us, uh, Homo sapiens sapiens, for thousands of years. Now they have transitioned off of the public stage, but perhaps they just, just made a transition to another form of control where they are no longer in the limelight, limelight stage front and center but now make extensive use of puppets who do their bidding while they... Well, they remain in the background. I'm wondering if that's not the case.
0: Well, that's kind of the uh, Sitchin thesis, you know, the Anunnaki uh, idea, and I'm wondering if it's so much that as it is, uh, uh, you know. Of course, we I I go for the uh, the hyperdimensional, ultra terrestrial thesis uh, with possible um, actual extraterrestrials of of a even more physical
2: and more. It may be that there are more than one species of human on this planet, indigenous to this planet. It may be that there are ultra-terrestrials. It may be that there are extraterrestrials. It may be that human beings are common in the galaxy and that um, this situation that we are facing is confused very ancient, very complex, and fraught with um, importance for every single faction involved every single multiple human faction involved those of indigenous uh, terrestrial origin those of extraterrestrial origin those who are ultra terrestrial and that the game is at at once ancient, confusing, complex and very high stakes and hard to understand
0: well and i think on that note we'll uh just encourage the listener to get a copy of your latest book as soon as they possibly can when it's re released, which is Underwater and Underground Bases by Richard Sauter, PhD, and Underground Bases and Tunnels, which has a subtitle, What is the Government Trying to Hide? And then we also have Kundalini Tales. Uh, which is a fascinating journey into the into the mind, the soul, and hidden realities that uh, Richard White writes about, uh, his own experiences, and how he uh, came to the knowledge and understanding that he has today that we uh, have enjoyed listening to you and to your ideas, which I think are pretty much on the money. And uh, I hope that the listeners are going to uh, look forward to getting getting a copy of your book as soon as you get it re-released. If if they were to uh, to, to try to get a copy, where where would they go?
2: I would suggest uh, the online book distributors like uh, Amazon.com, for example. Right. You can still find some used copies uh, there, and some of the other book distributors do just do a keyword search on my name in those books and. And uh, you may pay a little more in some cases, or if you're lucky, you might find a used copy in circulation out there. You might also, if you're in a used bookstore, look in there, a UFO or uh, paranormal types of sections or conspiracy sections, and you might, if you get lucky, find a used copy there. Uh, but uh, I currently am not selling them anymore, and until and unless I reprint them, people will have to sniff around online and in used bookstores and try to scare up copies of my books.
0: Okay, well thank you very, very much Richard for talking to us about this uh, very, very interesting research and uh, material that you've uncovered and I think that it's extremely important for everyone to uh, be aware of what's going on underwater and underground. And also above ground. Uh, (laughs) Amen. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Laura.
1: We'll see you next week. To discuss this podcast or any of the stories that appear on the Signs of the Times pages, you can come to our forum. Just follow the link from the homepage, www.signs-of-the-times.org.